without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the first episode of the Buckets Fancy Basketball Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm your host, Dan Titus. Joining me is newly named action contributor and fantasy guru and my homie, my boy, Adam Koffler. What's up, dude? How's your Sunday treating you? What an intro, man. I'm a guru. I'm your homie. This is awesome. <laughs> Sunday's, treating, Sunday's treating me pretty good so far. Uh, nice and toasty here in uh, Central Florida. Um, but I'm so excited to be on this podcast and uh, ready to help lots of people win a fantasy basketball championship. For sure, man. Like That's the goal here. And we started out on our journey together, man. We go way back, you know, way before this fantasy basketball stuff. And uh, it's cool, man. We had a podcast for those that aren't familiar and, and those that, that followed us here, Stretch 4. Shout out to, to Hanshu and, and Alex Burns. But um, yeah, we're really here to, this is our goal, man. We're here to talk season-long fantasy hoops, nine category, head-to-head leagues primarily. We might dabble into a little bit of Dynasty and DFS here and there, but you know that's the main goal of what we're trying to accomplish here. And make sure to subscribe to all Action Network podcast feeds if you haven't already. If you like college football, check out Big Bets on Campus. If you're into golf, Links and Locks is your show. Fantasy football, I mean, it's fantasy football season. And I know Koffler, he has like another job of just firing off fire tweets in terms of uh, fantasy football content. So check that out as well. But um, check out the Fantasy Flex with Chris Raybon, Samantha Praviti, and Sean Kerner. And then also the flagship Action Network podcast, pumping out a lot of different stuff. We have individual feeds for the sports that you like. So make sure you check them all out. And that's what I do in my day job, man. I'm not always a host here. I also do some production as well. So make sure you support the Action Podcast brand. Anyway. So, Koffler, tell the tell the folks a little bit about you, man. Like, I know you live in Central Florida, and uh, you've been doing this fantasy thing for a minute. I mean, but you've been starting with fantasy basketball for a while, though, right? Yeah, I've been playing. Started playing fantasy basketball. I look back at my Yahoo profile. I've been playing since two thousand and one. So, twenty years of fantasy basketball. I used to dabble in probably twenty fantasy basketball leagues per year, which is just insane. I would just draft in Yahoo public leagues over and over again. Um, Jesus, playing with you know, got on, I know, man. It's crazy. Got on Twitter in twenty eleven and just started talking about, you know, different things. Obviously I never grew my followership to anything more than a couple hundred uh over like a you know days. like a nine a nine year period. But uh <laughs> You know, went out to Vegas with you for FSGA back in uh, early 2020 before the pandemic. We got on with a couple people, started with Fantasy Pros doing some hoop stuff. And then it's just kind of, you know, snowballed since then. And we've been, you know, giving people fantasy basketball advice, you know, since that point, helping people win leagues, like you said, doing our Stretch Four podcast. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been fantastic, man. Like, I love I love helping people out um, and I'm ready to do it again this season with action. For sure. And if for those that don't know, follow Adam Koffler at Adam Koffler on Twitter. He writes for like practically every company in the fantasy game that you can think of. So this dude knows his shit. Definitely check in with him. So for today's show, man, um, we're going to highlight an industry expert mock draft that Koffler had the fortunate opportunity to participate in. It was sponsored by Fantrack. So a lot of big players in that draft. So we're going to get the lowdown of how that went, how he feels about his team. 
and some of those surprise picks that that kind of went on in the first two rounds. And then we'll touch on real briefly the schedule released on Friday. We're recording this on Sunday. And so we have a couple of thoughts on, you know, how that's going to look in terms of potential fantasy playoff scenarios, some things you might want to consider as you're managing a fantasy team going through this season. So with that, let's just get into the the mock draft, bro. Um, so you had the fifth pick in the draft. And before we get down to your pick, no surprise, I think, with the first, you know, four, three selections, I should say, Nikola Jokic, bona fide stud, unquestioned number one, totally agree with that selection. Then James Harden went number two and Steph Curry three. And then we had the surprise at Carl Anthony Towns at four. So before we get into your pick, which is following this one, want to get your thoughts on Carl Anthony Towns at four and what you see. Obviously, he went through COVID last season and, you know, really still put up really good per game averages. So do you have a lot of confidence in him going as a top five pick? Yeah, so Carl Anthony Towns, if I'm not mistaken, lost his mom due to a battle with COVID last season. Like this dude was playing with an extremely heavy heart. He still yeah. finished 12th in Yahoo rankings per game. Like, he doesn't do anything to hurt you. Um, do I think he has the upside over the guy that I took at fifth? Mm, probably not. But I don't see any problem with taking Carl Anthony Towns uh, as a part of the top seven uh, or so. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit here uh, as we go down this list in the first round. But he's been super consistent throughout uh, his career. And he's one of the focal points of that offense. And even with Anthony Edwards, he was driving last season down the stretch. So I, I do like Towns, but not over the guy I picked at five, who is uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, I don't know how you go Towns over Giannis. Uh, Giannis did have a dip in free throw percentage last season. At the, Obviously, his everybody knows about his struggles uh, early in the playoffs where they were counting down from 10 up to 10. I can't remember. Um <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, he, he shot he shot 68.5% from the line last season, which isn't very good, but still finished 13th per game uh, in terms of his ranking. Uh, when he shot in 2016-2017, that was up uh, closer. That was at 77% from the line. He finished, like, top three in ranking. So I do think he can get back to shooting that 77%. We've seen it before. We saw it for multiple years at a time. Just kind of struggled with it last season. So, man, Giannis, you can even make a case for Giannis going two overall after Jokic before Harden and Curry. Like, Harden and Curry, yeah, they're great. They also do come with their uh, question marks, just, you know, age, rest, things like that. Don't think he gets Don't think he gets some of those question marks with Giannis. Um, then back to Jokic, though, for a second. In, in terms of him being the number one overall, I think this is the season where, like, there's an unquestioned number one overall, similar to, like, what we see in football with Christian McCaffrey. Like, Jokic doesn't miss games either, which is just incredible. So he's, like, you know, the staple of that offense, and he's the face of fantasy basketball, if you ask my opinion, especially with Jamal Murray probably going to miss, you know, up until at least Christmas with the torn ACL. Yeah, I think that's a key point is that, you know, their point guard is out for, you know, the foreseeable future, at least the for the first half of basketball. So Nikola Jokic pretty yeah. much becomes, like, the straight-up point guard. So I wouldn't be surprised he's to see point, another He's their point guard. Right. Seeing an yeah, uptick in sure. his assists and that only boosts his his fantasy value. Uh, going back to Carl Anthony Towns for a second. The reason I like Carl Anthony Towns as the top five pick is because there's not many centers that you're going to find that hit about two and a half threes per contest. Right. And he still gives you everything else. So that that, that was a great point. Uh, going back to Giannis, though. So Giannis, 
I think he's definitely in the conversation for a top three pick and really is the strategy around you can win with Giannis. You just have to figure out if you're going to punt free throws and you can build around Giannis with the tons of, you know, cheap point guards or shooting guards to get those, those three pointers that he may not give you, but it's really only the, that's really the only category where he hurts you. So I think there's a, there's definitely a case for if you decide to punt free throws, just make that focus of just picking up other players that you can get those counting stats, those defensive metrics to kind of anchor your squad and you don't have to worry about free throws anymore. So yeah, I want to get your thoughts there. If if you're picking Giannis, is that, I'm assuming that that's what you're going for. Yeah. So my thought process here is that Giannis is going to get back to shooting 77% from the line because I think he has the wherewithal to want to work on that aspect of his game and get back to where he was, you know, like, Unlike a guy like Ben Simmons, like we, I don't know that he, Ben Simmons improves his free throw percentage. So I, I can't tout him as a guy that's going to get up to that 75% mark. And I'm going to feel comfortable drafting him and not punting free throws. Yeah. Right. So I don't, I don't even know that, that at that point, drafting Giannis means you're punting free throws. I think you hope that he gets back to where he was in 2016, 2017. And then also we saw last season, he's, he got above one three pointer made per game. So he's been he's been uh, uh, getting better uh, with the three point shot, and even if he's not, he's still shooting like what, 57 percent yeah, from the yeah. field. It's not like even if he's a bad three point shooter, he takes enough shots, you know, in the paint that that's not going to affect you. So if if he's making like one point five of those per game, there's another bonus for you for Giannis. Right, that's fair. So let's keep it let's keep it rolling here. Damian Lillard went number six. I don't think there's much surprise there. C- uh, CJ McCollum saw a tweet earlier today that he's all in on Portland next season. We'll see what comes of that uh, with Chauncey Billups at the helm. But the next guy I wanted to talk about, Luka Doncic, goes number seven. And you and I are a little, I think we got a little bit of a disagreement here. You know, did finish 36 overall last season. But to me, in fantasy basketball, it's all about the counting stats and when you have a nightly triple double waiting there for you, like Giannis or like like Luca, and now they have a new a new head coach and and Jason Kidd, they didn't really do a lot to improve their basketball team in the offseason. I'm thinking this is another signal of soaking up all the usage that he can get and probably putting up another close to, you know, 27, 28 points a game with eight, eight rebounds, eight assists, maybe higher. And to me, even though he struggled at the free throw line, 74% isn't that bad. 73% isn't too bad. I think we could see some improvement there. He's another guy that's a gym rat that I could see totally improving his game, especially building off of what he did in the Olympics, just absolutely crushing people. I'm really high on Luka, and I think I would pick him well before Damian Lillard and probably Carl Anthony Towns. I I mean, I think he's got to be a top three pick coming into this season just off sheer usage alone. Yeah, top yeah, top three. I don't know because I don't know if you could put him over Jokic, Harden, Curry, and and Giannis, right? So so at best he's five. The problem with the problem with Luca, right? Like Luca's the Luca's becoming the face of the of the NBA, right? Like there's no question about that. So I'm I'm not in disagreement there. Sometimes for and we're gonna focus on nine cat nine cat head to head leagues here for now. I think a lot of people put too much credence into scoring and triple doubles and don't look at the full picture so if you look at if you look at Luca and you look at the full picture 
the guy doesn't average more than a steal a game and he averages like 0.4 blocks a game last season. And he also was like third highest in turnovers after after like Russell Westbrook turnover machine and and maybe Trey Young. And then like like Titus said, the free throw percentage isn't very good and he's 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 a high volume free throw shooter. I don't know how much better that can get. I mean, for him to be a top five pick, he's got to get over like 80% from the line, do some, do way more on the defensive end, turn the ball over way less, and shoot a higher percentage from the field. And I don't know that because of his, you know, he's a, such a volume scorer and such a high usage player, I'm not so sure that that can be done. So I'm okay with him over Lillard, but I, I wouldn't go any higher than than uh, than six for Luca for those reasons I mentioned. So you mentioned he he shot poorly from the field. I mean I don't think 48 percent is poor. That's definitely straight for someone that shoots as much as him. Actually, that's that's a better case for someone. I know I, I, you could you could compare that to like Trey Young who's sitting at like forty three percent, right? Like that's definitely going to hurt your field goal percentage. Forty eight doesn't really hurt you. And then you mentioned the steals and a half a block. I mean, that's still a contribution though, right? Like you were just saying that Giannis hits a three a game. To me, I'll take a steal a game from Luca, who's not really good. Like there's going to be times where he'll give you three or four. And then most of the times it'll probably be a zero average out to about one. But I mean, he's still doing something on the defensive end. It's not a nothing burger. So, I mean, I just think, yeah, I agree with you that the name notoriety probably carries a lot more weight than his actual play across nine categories. But you're also looking at a guy that had a down year and still put up ridiculous numbers. Who's to say that he's not going to have an even better season than last year and possibly propel himself up into that, that upper echelon of fantasy relevance. So I think you're really banking on the Luca upside. There was a down year and I think he could definitely have a come up similar to this guy. Next one that went off the board, Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum's going to go off, man. And I, I love the pick here. I don't think, you could certainly make an argument for him to go a little bit higher, but I think that this is the right spot for him getting a whole new, pretty much, you know, he's got a whole new coach. He's got new players around him. The main core of Marcus smart Jalen Brown will be back. But I think with Kemba Walker out of there and Al Horford coming in there, who's like a shell of himself. I think he's going to get tons of opportunities to showcase that he's one of the best players in the NBA right now under 25 years old like he's just a straight up baller we saw him come alive in the in the usa team put the team on his back to win the gold i think this dude's a dog and he's only going to go off this year yeah no doubt i think i think he's the obvious next choice after number seven whether it be luca or dame like you mentioned i think kemba out of boston now it's like i mean it was tatum's team it's not like it was kemba's team right. but i think really now it's tatum's team and like Tatum's going to take it to the next level. Like, dude, only averaged uh, 4.3 assists last game. Like, you figure this dude's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Like, I could see, I could see him averaging five plus. His percentages are great. Doesn't turn the ball over like Luca. Like, I don't know. Like, he looks like a guy who could average similar stats to Luca outside of the assist numbers. Like, why wouldn't he go higher than Luca? Fair. I don't know. It's something to Fair. think about. Yeah, so let's keep it rolling, man. So Kevin Durant went after that, then Joel Embiid at 10, Bradley Beal at 11. And then this one I wanted to really talk to you about, Anthony Davis. 
How do you feel about Anthony Davis as a potential first round pick, given what we know about his injury history? We know that the Lakers stacked the deck in terms of their roster with a bunch of veterans. Do you trust him as a first round pick this, this season? I mean, obviously he had a bad year last year dealing with the potential calf injury, Achilles, whatever that was, but what are your thoughts on AD coming into the season? That's just the thing, man. He dealt with whatever it was. He dealt, he deals with whatever it is every single season. Like you never know what it's, it's going to be. Something, right. right? The, dude, the dude, the dude misses like 20 plus games a season and he's questionable every single night. Like you can't have that on your fantasy basketball team in a, in a head to head league. I mean, you can, like at some point he becomes a value, right? Because he's right. If he's, if you, if you told me tomorrow, he's playing 82 games next season, he's the second pick after Jokic, but I don't know that. And also, you have to imagine that even if he's not injured, they're going to call him like, you know, injured and resting because they got Westbrook uh, in there now. And between Westbrook, LeBron and AD, like they're an old team. They're going to be they're going to be shooting for being healthy in the playoffs, which is great for the Lakers. It's not so great for your fantasy basketball team. So I'm, I'm totally not OK. And I would not condone taking him with a first round pick, you know, if he's too good to probably fall out of the second round, but there's guys in the second round that I'd rather have over Anthony Davis in terms of availability this season. Len, like, let's keep it going. First pick of the second round, it went Michael Porter Jr. I think that's really interesting because I think we saw Michael Porter Jr. put up one of the most efficient uh, stat lines for a a player under at, at his age. Um, I can't recall the stat line in my head, but... Either way, he performed very well when Jamal Murray went out. So do you think it's justified, given his play at the end of the season last year, once it, you know, he got more opportunities to have the ball in his hands and actually produce, he actually got some sneaky defensive stats there too. So curious about what your thoughts are on Michael Porter Jr. And is that a guy that you would take over AD uh, potentially? Yes, that is a guy I would take over AD. Like you said, after Jamal Murray went out, uh, he averaged – 25 points, three and a half threes, seven rebounds, and 1.5 assists per game. Uh, also, like you said, the defensive stats, almost a block and a steal per game. And only like 1.5 turnovers with really high shooting percentages. That's insane. This dude is like 6'11", and he's super efficient and puts up monster numbers. And he's going to be doing the same. Like those numbers I just mentioned, those aren't going anywhere because he's going to be second in command to Jokic and right. Jokic, you know, is the addition out assists. So who's to say Michael Porter jr. With another season under his belt, isn't going to average 25 on the regular with amazing percentages. Like he's absolutely in the conversation to be drafted at the back end of the first round over a guy like Anthony Davis. No question about it. That's fair. And then the next draft pick at number 14, overall second pick of the second round, Paul George. I love this pick here and really because, you know, Paul George in the beginning of last season was on 50, 40, 90 watch. You got Kawhi Leonard on a hobbled knee. We don't know that Kawhi Leonard is going to play next season. We saw what the Clippers did in the off season. They acquired Eric Bledsoe. I don't really see that they improved that much from a fantasy perspective to take the ball out of Paul George's hands. He's always been a guy outside of that season where he blew out his knee and had to make his recovery. He's actually played a lot of games and we saw him rest a little bit last season, but I think if this, if the Clippers are going to go back to the playoffs, they're going to need to do this off the strength of Paul George. So to me, pure usage, he gives you pretty much everything you want 
sketchy shot selection sometimes, but volume threes, very good from the line, gives you defensive stats, pretty much does everything. So to me, this is like a five-tool player for basketball sake that you could probably get. To me, second round value is actually really good value. Like I could see the case for taking him over someone like Bradley Beal or Joel Embiid who carries some injury risk. Um, Want to get your thoughts on Paul George? Yeah, I think he's probably going to go a little bit slept on in fantasy basketball drafts this season. Not necessarily because people are not considering the Kawhi injury and he's probably out for the season, but just the fact that he's in Los Angeles. Um, but I think you can probably look at him more in the lens of the player that he was in Indiana and the usage that he had there, which was crazy, right? And he's probably going to be in that light again, and he wants to prove that he can carry a team once again and, and you know, franchise in Los Angeles. Like, I think – I don't know that he's going to be resting very often. He's probably not going to want to. They're probably not going to want him to because if they want to get to the playoffs, they're going to need Paul George, right? Yeah. So he's probably going to be out there most games. There's going to be fewer back-to-backs this season because of the this, this stretched out, uh, you know – typical 82 game season agree man like that's you know there's there's not a lot of guys that I can take out of the first round but like you said Embiid Bradley Beal like those guys come with a little bit of risk so I'm okay with Paul George the back end of the first round I think that's a good pick at 14 no doubt I feel that and so if we go down the list a little bit more so the next guy off the board would be Fred Van Vliet you have any thoughts on Fred Van Vliet going early second round I mean Kyle Lowry's out of there Scotty Barnes is new in there. He played point guard at FSU for a little bit. But, you know, I think this is really a great opportunity for Fred Van Vliet to take over as lead dog of the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, people might think 15 Fred Van Vliet over guys like Kyrie, Trey Young, Demonis Sabonis. Like, what are you doing? Guess right. what? Fred Van Vliet finished 14th overall per game in nine cat leagues with a shooting percentage of only 38.9%. Like, think about the upside there. Like, he would have to shoot worse than 38.9% to be any worse than 14th than he was last season. So there's there's immense upside. And that was with Kyle Lowry. Like, there's right. there's immense upside with Fred Van Vliet. Like, his steals. He only turned the ball over 1.8 times per game last season. He almost averaged more steals than he did turnovers per game last season. Like, he's got – the categories that he helps you in are – you know, categories that other point guards traditionally aren't, they're, they're hurting you in, right? Like Trey Young averages 4.5 turnovers per game. Van Vliet handles the ball a lot and was only at 1.8. So, you know, while he's a, he's this undrafted guy, right? Like this incredible story just got what, $90 million or $80 million. Um, actually, he was surpassed by Duncan Robinson, right? For the undrafted contract, the highest yeah. one. Yeah, Duncan but, definitely but got yeah, the Fred, bag. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet is deserving of a mid-second round pick, no doubt. And I mean, the steals really is what gets it for me. Like he he's so he he gets so many volume steals and, and opportunities for that man. It's it's great to get that out of a point guard. And one of the things we'll probably talk about in the course of the, once we actually get into firm draft season here is there's a ton of guards that usually go in the second round here, and there's probably a ton of value that you can get later rounds that you could really you know stack up big men and people that that come at a premium really because there isn't many kind of similar to I would compare them to wide receivers of the fantasy football that you could go get those running backs, which I think are more valuable like centers and power forwards that can get those double doubles with high efficiency stats. 
that could probably shape out your team a little bit better, um, usually because the guards are a little bit more inefficient. But going down the list here, next off is uh, Nikola Vucevic. No surprise there. Then Kyrie Irving. And I want to get your thoughts here because Kyrie Irving is just such an interesting pick, right? Because you're the dude's an enigma. And but he's also he also did 50, 40, 90 last year, had an amazing season. One of the he had a career year. Like he was a baller. He averaged 27 points, uh, six assists and almost five rebounds, hit the threes, knocked down plenty of free throws at a at a very high clip and a very good percentage. So are you safe picking Kyrie as a mid-second round pick, or do you still feel like there's some risk there? Mainly because now he's got to share the ball with James Harden, Kyrie, uh, and and Kevin Durant, and I don't know that you're going to see the Nets play consistently this three-man set that frequently because you don't have to to win games. Even though the East got better, they didn't get that much better that you're not going to get a little bit of Kyrie resting here. So curious of how you're you're playing Kyrie and. Would you be willing to go as high as taking someone like Shea Gilgis Alexander in his place? Someone that's going to have all the usage, actually play games. You know, people forgot about Shea, right? Like he was a baller before he got shut down. But, you know, so want to get your thoughts on those two players. We can just go to the next topic, Ben. Like you said it all just for me right there. Like you just teed <laughs> it up perfectly. But yeah, like, like you said, man, the Nets are not going to need to play Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant against the Cleveland Cavaliers, against the Orlando right. Magic, against the Detroit Pistons. There's going to be so many times that one of those guys rests, and likely it's going to be Kyrie and it's going to be Kevin Durant. James Harden typically isn't resting as much as those other guys, and that's why James Harden's the second overall pick in this mock draft. Like he, he, for whatever reason, he just doesn't rest. He's going to average like 12, 13, 14 assists per game, which is just insane. So, yeah, for Kyrie, like don't be fooled by last year's per game ranking of third overall. Remember, he played, I think, at least more than half of his games without James Harden before Harden came over from right. the Rockets. So that's baked into that ranking. After James Harden came over, he was a different player. Like, he, he didn't average the same six, seven assists per game. He became he primarily became a scorer. So those assists came down to, like, two, two or three per game. So you have to consider that when drafting Kyrie Irving. And like you said, Shea Gilders-Alexander is going to have all the usage. You know, he was hurt last season, so people are going to sleep on him a little bit. But me personally, I like guys that are going to be playing every game and then have something to play for in terms of, like, themselves. Like, that's not Kyrie at this point. That is Shea Gilders-Alexander. For that reason, like, I want a SGA over a guy like Kyrie there in the second round. Yeah, I feel that, man. And so just to close out the second round of this mock draft with the industry experts, after Kyrie Irving, it went Bam Adebayo, Trey Young, Demonis Sabonis, LaMelo Ball, then Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and to close out the second round, Rudy Gobert. So, oh, excuse me. Actually, Jimmy Butler closed it out. So that pretty much covers the first two rounds of this mock draft. Uh, we're going to get into little bit more of what Adam's team shaped out as next episode, but real quick, just wanted to get your thoughts. You know, the schedule got released on Friday. Is there any notable things that came out of the schedule that you, that you found interesting or anything that you think fantasy managers would want to know prior to drafting that maybe something that could affect their playoffs or something that could affect the trade deadline, something like that. Yeah. So generally speaking, the fantasy schedule and, and the NBA schedule doesn't typically matter until you get to the fantasy playoffs and you really need to look ahead 
starting just before the trade deadline, right? So uh, whether that's January, February, something like that. So you can set your team up best for success at the end of the season. Um, so if hashtag basketball has a, has a fantastic uh, tool that you can use that shows the schedule grid and shows how many games each team plays in a week. Um, for example, the Portland Trailblazers and the Washington Wizards each play four games apiece uh, the last three weeks of the fan of the likely fantasy basketball season. So they're playing 12 games like CJ McCollum is playing 12 games, whereas I believe the Clippers have nine games. Paul George is only playing nine games. That makes a huge difference. And obviously there's going to be players that you can pick up at the end of the season. Like we saw last season, uh, teams rest players like the Rockets only had like six or seven available guys. And a guy like KJ Martin came on late and you wanted right. to pick him up because the Rockets had like five games in a week, but I wouldn't really consider the schedule when you're drafting your team, but I would consider it as you're looking to make moves to set your team up for success in the fantasy playoffs at the end of the season. And that hashtag basketball shout out to them. Great work that they've been doing over there. The schedule grid is definitely a, a really good tool to use to help manage your your roster throughout the season so you know who to trade at certain points, you know, who to sell high, buy low, so you're preparing for that fantasy playoff opportunity. All right, that'll conclude our first episode, man. Thanks for sticking with us, Adam. Where can the people find you? Tell them what stuff you're working on and all that good stuff. Yeah, as Dan mentioned, uh, all my work is pretty much on my Twitter, at Adam Koffler. I write for Fantasy Pros, Roto Baller and the game day as well. And then newly a part of the action network. Super happy to be here. Uh, happy to help you guys win a fantasy basketball championship and looking, looking forward to the season, man. Adam is the low key goat of fantasy, man. I know because he kicked my ass last year in a, in a very competitive league. And we'll talk about that as the season progresses. Cause we are definitely going to re it up and I'm going to take Luka Doncic as one of my top picks as James Harden light. Just let the world know now. All right, so make sure you guys subscribe to our feed. Catch us on the Buckets podcast. Well, they'll also be sharing it with the homies, Matt Moore, Brandon Anderson, and Raheem Palmer. They're going over all the betting material that you need to know before the season starts. But, uh, yeah, that's us signing off. We'll catch you next week. We'll holla at you. Peace.